0: Thank you. Uh, we're going to be talking about the topic of stewardship uh, this morning. Um, a couple of months ago I was asked to do a talk at a youth camp, in a La- uh, youth uh, service in Launceston on the topic of stewardship. Uh, and it just so happens that the text uh, I chose for that was from 1 Peter. And so since we're working through 1 Peter and have made it that far, uh, I thought rather than working through that text again, we should address it from the point of view of uh, stewardship. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. So I'm going to invite Ben up. Uh, he's going to be reading our text, which is from First Peter, chapter four, starting at verse seven. 1 Peter chapter 4 from verse 7 The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled, so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Please uh, keep your Bibles open. Uh, If you're wondering how we're talking on a Passage about stewardship that doesn't actually mention the word stewardship. Uh, it is in some translations there and the words uh, faithfully administering is literally stewarding. So there you go, just in case you were wondering. Um, some of you might be aware my brother uh, and his wife, my sister-in-law, are away on holiday at the moment. Um, it's a kind of indefinite travelling the world sort of holiday, so they're going to be away for, for years they think. Um, And because they are going away for so long, they are trying to work out what to do with all their things that they have here, Uh, they were trying to work out what to do with their indoor plants. Uh, And so in their generosity they have uh, bequeathed their indoor plants to us. Uh, We get to look after them. Uh, And that's a privilege. Um, It might not seem like it to you but it's a privilege because uh, their plants are great. They are big and they are healthy and if we had to buy them they would have been really expensive. We, We wouldn't have bought them. So it's a great privilege. We love having them around. Um, But it's also a great stress because we don't actually have the most awesome track record with indoor plants uh, and these are expensive indoor plants that we'd rather not have to replace. The other problem is we also have very busy uh, and sometimes destructive children. So there has been an awful lot in the last six months of looking after these plants, an awful lot in our house of, stay away from the plants. Don't play near the plants. Don't play with the plants. Be careful of the plants. Careful you almost hit the plant again. (laughs) There's been a lot of that. I'm getting kind of sick of it. (laughs) And if it's not that, it's are they happy? Are they not happy? Is that a good spot for that plant? Is that a bad spot? Is it too dry? Is it too wet? Should we feed it? Should we not feed it? Is it enough sun? It's just unbelievable. It's just plants. How stressful is it to steward someone else's plants? There's just too many choices, too many things to think about. What about our lives then? What about stewarding our lives? What about stewarding all that we have, not just our treasure but our time, our talents as well? How many choices are there that we could make? There are literally thousands of different ways we could spend our money, whether you've got a lot of it or not much. Every single one of us has 1,440 minutes every single day to dispose of. How do we use them? Each of you have different abilities and opportunities and amounts of energy and and, and things before you. How do you use them? How do we use all of this well? Well, that's the question of stewarding, isn't it? And that's what we're going to be exploring uh, this morning together. Now, before we look at the topic of stewardship itself, before we're able to kind of deal with it well, we actually need to be able to see ourselves well First, so we can't be good stewards if we don't know ourselves and don't know who we are and where we are and what we are. Uh, we have a tendency as humans to see ourselves at the centre. Uh, we like to put ourselves as the, the hero of our own story. It feels very nice, uh, but the Bible brings us crashing back down to earth. Remember what we saw in First Peter in chapter one uh, a few weeks back. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ. Uh, You're not the hero of your story. In fact, in your story, you're the one who needs the hero. You're the one who is stuck, uh, who is trapped, as we're told here, in this way of life that was empty and futile. Uh, The words are literally vain of no purpose. We are being told our life was a life of nothing going nowhere. Why? I mean it seems incredibly harsh, doesn't it? It seems like a very stark way to look at our life. Well the reason is it was a life lived in rejection of God. It was a life uh, untethered from the One who had made life, who gives life meaning and direction. We had rejected God and what we had found is that in rejecting him we didn't find this whole other meaning and this whole other life apart from him. Instead what we found was nothing. A life of nothing that led to destruction. And so the word futile is fitting for its sum is nothing. But we're told God redeems people stuck in that way of life. Uh, the word is, is literally ransomed, it is bought out of. Uh, like all the trinkets that Melinda seems to buy from the tip shop, uh, they were purposeless, they were headed for destruction and yet that story, that trajectory was, was interrupted and the same is true for us. Our story, that trajectory into destruction was interrupted. Not cheaply, we're told, uh, but at great and immense cost. No no silver, no gold, no no amount of money could pay Instead only blood, and only special blood could pay for so many. the precious blood of God's beloved Son Jesus. And that's what as uh, our, our text described as the ultimate gift of God's grace to you. You are bought out of futility, ransomed out of destruction, and all of that is yours simply by trusting in Jesus. And the result of that is, you're not who you used to be. You're not who you used to be. Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 6 like this, you are not your own, you are bought at a price. No longer is life uh, meaningless and untethered from the meaning giver, the life giver, because now you're saved, now you're rescued, now you're restored, and in Jesus you have a redeemer, but not just a redeemer. You have one who gives purpose, who restores meaning and gives belonging. You have a place again. You've been retethered. I don't know if you remember the original Toy Story, not not volume four or whatever it is we're up to now. I've lost track. The original, the best. Uh, in it we meet Buzz Lightyear, the ultimate toy. You know, he is the space ranger, the best. He's got all the gadgets, he's got all the tricks. He is the ultimate toy. But Buzz Lightyear is a bit deluded. He is convinced he is a space ranger. And not just a space ranger, the space ranger. Not just a toy like everyone else, but more. He's special. And as the movie unfolds, uh, the more he tries to live that out, the more he tries to live up to that, uh, the more confusion and hurt and in, in, in trouble that happens. And it's only uh, well into the movie that we find Buzz in a toy store. And he's in the centre of the aisle and surrounded by boxes and boxes all filled with other Buzz Lightyears, And it's here that his world comes crashing down. He realises he's not unique, he's not the Space Ranger. He's just a toy like thousands of other toys and his world comes crashing down. It unhinges him. His whole view of life changes and he goes kind of mad. And it's only later in the movie that it clicks. It wasn't in being or in trying to be the space ranger that made him who he is. That, that didn't define him. That's not what his life was about. But what did was realising that he's a toy, that he is bought, that he belonged and because of that he is precious to someone, to Andy. And there in realising that is his identity and his purpose and his meaning and there in accepting that is his peace and freedom and joy. And the same is true of us. There is no need for us to try to be nor try to become something or someone. We are not trapped in trying to make a life for ourselves or create for ourselves meaning and purpose. Instead we are freed to realise that we do belong, that we do have purpose and we do have value because God has ransomed us, God has purchased us to be his own. You are so much more than a toy, you are a child bought and precious to him. Ransomed out of futility at the cost of his own son's blood. Apart for him, futile and empty, with him, belonging and precious. I am not my own is an earth shattering realization. We don't need to find ourselves nor make ourselves nor find our place in the world. We don't need to spend ourselves or our resources and our efforts trying to build those things because we're not our own. I am not my own. I belong to God. The loving and generous and powerful and kind God is my Father. I am precious to him. I have purpose in him and I have a place forever with him. Life is not mine to independently define. In that there is only futility and ultimately destruction. My life is God's. He has ransomed me. He gives me purpose and meaning. My life is his. And therefore in all of life, in all I do, I start with him. We start with him who, rescued, who loved us enough to rescue us. So it's good to know who we are, that we belong to God. But we also need to know where we are. We need to realise that with this new meaning and new purpose that comes with, our new, uh, with Jesus, also comes a new place in Jesus. Now with, with who we are, this world is no longer our home. We've seen that time and time again, haven't we? Working through 1 Peter, this, this theme, you're strangers in the world, you don't belong anymore, you're literally sojourners, he calls us over and over again. He's saying, you don't belong here anymore. You live here but you don't belong here. You're in this world, you're not of this world because your citizenship's changed. You've got a new address. You're part of God's people now precious to him, and your homeland is elsewhere. It's in eternity. And so we're called to look at this world then differently, to look at this world like we're simply camping here. You know, like we're we're passing through, we're here for a while but not forever. And that's to change then how we live here, how we move in this world, how we act in this world and how we steward in this world. Uh, we've been married for 11 and a half years now, getting old and I'm ageing very gracefully. Uh, and in that time, in that time, in 11 years, we have lived in 7 different houses, um, which seems like too many, if you ask me. And in all that time, in all those places, I have not once planted a plant in any of those seven gardens up until recently. Not once. Why? Because until recently I've never lived in a house I owned. It's always been a rental or a manse. And as you're well aware, plants cost money. Plants take time to get enjoyment out of them. It takes time to see growth and flowers and fruit. And why would you plant them in a rental? in someone else's house where you're not going to be for long, where someone else is going to enjoy what you've invested. It's, it's just not worth it, is it? It's not worth it. And so it is for Christians. We're not here long. We're certainly not here forever. We have so much more ahead of us. In fact, we have a whole eternity ahead of us. So it would be pretty stupid, wouldn't it, to overinvest ourselves here To overspend ourselves in a place where we won't be for long uh, with no thought to the future that we have which lasts forever. I mean when Jesus was on earth, that's what he kept reminding us of, didn't he? Where are you spending yourself? Where are you investing your time, your talents, your treasure? Think long term. Uh, Not the next 70 years, but the next 7 million, the next eternity. He said in Matthew chapter 6, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Or in Luke 16, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. See, we're promised an eternity, aren't we? That is better than the best we've ever seen, better than the best we've ever experienced here. Investing ourselves there is never going to disappoint. There will be no regrets once we're there because it is better by far. Uh, I remember the first time when I was uh, a young kid that I got to take my own money to the school fair. Uh, it was it was an exciting moment. I got up early that morning. I'd worked for dad. I'd earned 5 bucks which felt like a lot of money. I'd tucked it into my Velcro Macca's wallet which I was very proud of, and I went to the school fair with my own money. I walked in excited, and there at the entrance, just inside the entrance was the first store, and it was the lucky dip which is which is awesome. Lucky dips are great. And it was only a dollar a bag. Bargain. So I bought five. (laughs) I bought five. That's bad stewardship, isn't it? That's really bad stewardship. Uh, I don't remember Dad being terribly impressed. I don't remember being impressed because it turns out lucky dips are a little bit disappointing in the end. And I had no money for the rest of the day, which annoyed Dad because I pestered him for the rest of the day. (laughs) But let's ask the question, Is your life stewardship actually any better than that? Is your life stewardship any better than that? Think honestly where are you investing yourself? Where are you investing your treasure and your time and your talents? How much is in this life? How much is in things that will last forever? I mean, we're not. It's not. A, I'm not trying to guilt trip you here. I'm not trying to make you feel really bad. We're talking here about an opportunity. We're actually talking here about the very best investment you could ever make. You get a chance. You get a chance to build something, to invest in something that will last for literally an eternity. I mean, people talk for all, all the time about building their forever home. Um, it, it sounds like a nice thought, but when you think about it, actually, it's dumb. Do you actually really want to live there forever? I don't think you do. And even if you do try and build your forever home, one day it's going to be knocked down, Uh, one day it's going to fall down, one day someone else is going to come along, look at your choices and despair at how badly you have decorated that place and renovate it completely. It is not forever. It will never be forever. But you can invest in a forever home, in your forever home you have that opportunity. When you give of your treasure to the church, to the kingdom, you build things that last for eternity. You invest in people to spend eternity with. When you use your time to to serve, to read the Bible with a friend, to help others, to do all sorts of things, you store up treasure that will be enjoyed for all time. When you use your talents, not, not to gain the most for yourself, not to grab the best opportunity you could possibly ever grab, but to invest yourself more for Jesus, his kingdom is built and it will be glory forever. This world is not your home. Live here, but build there. Now, of course, all of this is a lot easier when we uh, when we think, when we remember that nothing I have, I earned. Uh, the word earned is a bit unfortunate. I mean, in the immediate sense, it's true you work for your money, but in the big picture, it's, it's just not, is it? You might, might have worked uh, for, for your money, for your resources, but where did your job come from? Where did your abilities to work come from? Where did your resources to get that job come from? Uh, Peter reminds us, doesn't he, in what we read before, in, in chapter 4, verse 10 Each should use whatever gift he has received, administering God's grace in its various forms. Everything you have is grace. Everything you have is grace. Your time, your treasure, your talents, all of it. All of it, nothing, no exceptions, is given to you by God, is entrusted to you by God. We need to see our stuff in that way because it just puts it in its right place in our lives, not over us but under us. See, there's a really subtle danger here. Uh, We say, you know, I I worked for it, I worked for it, I I, I worked. And, And what we mean is, I worked to get it. But sometimes, if we're honest, what we're really actually saying is, I worked for it, really in service to it. Whether it be lifestyle or things or expectations, I'm not condoning the movie, but in the movie Fight Club, uh, the the lead character, Tyler Durden, says this, uh, and I I think it's it's accurate. He says, You buy furniture, you tell yourself, this is the last sofa I will ever need in my life. Buy the sofa, then for a couple of years, you're satisfied that no matter what goes wrong, at least you've got your sofa issue handled. Then the right set of dishes, then the perfect bed the drapes, the rug, then you're trapped in your lovely nest and the things you used to own, now they own you. He's right, isn't he? There's truth there. It's so easy to justify. Um, We we got a new TV. We had to buy a new couch to go with our new TV. The old one looked silly. Well, we, we got a new couch. We had to buy new cushions to go on our new couch because the old cushions didn't look right on the new cushions, the new drapes. We had to. We had to. We had to. Who is serving who? Uh, Tyler Durden goes on, it's only after you lose everything that you're free to do anything. Now the way that plays out in the movie is wrong. The way it plays out in the Bible is right. Right. It's not that we go home, we sell everything, we give everything away and suddenly we find that we're all of a sudden amazing stewards. That's not what the Bible is saying here. Instead we we lose everything by realising it wasn't ours in the first place. It never was, it never has been. All of it is a gift. All of it has been entrusted to us. And in realising that, then we're freed. We are owners of nothing and stewards of everything. I mean, think about it. When you, when you give, when you put your money in the collection or online or, or however you do, when you give, are you really giving to God? I mean, the God who says that, you know, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Are you giving to him? You're not giving what you own. You're not giving what you earned. You're giving back to him what's his. You're saying, I trust you. You've given me this. You'll surely give me more. You'll surely give me enough. You'll provide everything I need. I trust you in this. We give of ourselves of what we have been given, of what we have been entrusted by God. I mean, just just imagine for a moment, imagine if we flip that around, imagine the alternative. What if God was to make his gifts to you proportional to your gifts to him? How might that work out for you? Where would you be then? Instead, see everything for what everything you have for what it truly is, a gift of God given by grace, entrusted to you. Uh, it will breed thankfulness, it will grow, trust in him, and it will foster good stewardship. Now sadly too often when we think of stewardship, when we think of using what God has given, we actually think too small. We think too small. We think about making up numbers. We think about um, small goals. And and as a result we give small-mindedly. We give begrudgingly. But Peter actually doesn't want a bar of that. He's not going to let us go down that path. Look how he ties up that passage that we read in the end of verse 11 there. Uh, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. He, he's reminding us, isn't he? He's, he's painting the big picture before us. How you use what you've given, how you've uh, disposed, how you spend of what's been entrusted to you, it matters. Because it can be to the praise and the glory of the all-powerful, almighty God. Your stewardship matters. That's what Paul writes to the Corinthian church when he's talking about their giving. He says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He's saying your giving is making God be praised. Be glad for that. God is glorified when you use what he has given for his sake, when you do it with him in mind. So if that's true... If God is glorified when we give, shouldn't we just give it all away? I mean, wouldn't that just bring the most glory to God? Isn't that the logical conclusion? Or is there maybe more here? Imagine next Saturday you go to uh, the birthday party of your niece. She's young, it's her uh, fourth, uh, fourth birthday party had all the celebrations, it's time to unwrap presents. And she's sitting there, she's surrounded by presents, as four-year-olds tend to be, uh, and she's unwrapping your present. Now you have put time, you've put thought into this, you've wrapped it beautifully and you've given it to her. And she rips the paper aside, because kids don't care about paper, let's be honest, it's disposable. She rips it aside, glances at this present, pushes it to the side and she runs to you and gives you this massive hug and cries out, thank you! but what I really love is you. Oh, what a nice moment. Everyone kind of melts just a little bit. Isn't that cute? It's nice, isn't it? Oh, what I really love is you. Wow, what a well-brought-up little child. <laughs> that didn't happen at the birthday party at our house last week, but anyway, we're working on it. <laughs> it's a bit cute, isn't it? It's a bit cute. But what if it happens to the next present? And the next present... And the next, to each gift and to each person, no matter how expensive, no matter how personal, how how special, it loses its cuteness, doesn't it? It's not cute anymore. In fact, it becomes a bit awful, doesn't it? It becomes a a, a bit sad, a bit uh, annoying. You might even begin to think this child is just ungrateful. There's an issue here. And there's something important there. Mike uh, Mike Cosper writes this. Honouring the gift is an important part of honouring the giver. We glorify God by seeing everything that we have as his gifts. We glorify God by using those gifts to his purposes and we glorify God by enjoying him through enjoying the gifts that he has given us. So steward what you have. You won't be called to account to steward things you never have, to do things you could never have done. Instead, use your time. Use your money. Use your energies. Use the opportunities that have been given to you. Think carefully about how you can use them best. Uh, That will look very different for each of us because all of us have been given very different things. Um, In his his really helpful book, Mikey Lynch writes this. He says, the devout, uh, zealous, sacrificial Christian life will look different in each one of us. And he goes on and he gives a whole range of his examples. He says, one one will preach to thousands, another will earn thousands and use them and invest them well. One will give their life to overseas mission, another will give their life to next door mission and so on and so forth. All seeking to steward well, all seeking to steward differently and God being glorified through all. Be glad for what God has given, use what God has given, enjoy what God has given and glorify him in all. Now I don't know what your expectations were uh, this morning when you heard we were going to be talking about stewardship. Maybe you came hoping that I would give you some numbers. 20% of your money, you know, 14 to 20 hours per week. Maybe that's what you were hoping for. Uh, I'm sorry to let you down, I'm not going to do that. Um, I could have. It would have been really short, which might have earned something from you. (laughs) But there's two dangers. You either would have left too comfortable because you're doing more than that or you would have left angry because that's ridiculous. And neither of those reactions would have been helpful. In fact, the hard work this morning is yours. The hard work is yours. You have to take stock of your life of your situation, of the things that you have. I can't do that for you. (laughs) You need to work out where you're at and what stewardship will look like in your life. What it will look like with your money, what it will look like with your time, what it will look like with your abilities and opportunities and energy. You know yourself and you need to work out what that looks like. And you need to do that knowing that you belong to God knowing that he has prepared an eternity for you, knowing that all you have are gifts entrusted to you by him and seeking in all of them to glorify him and enjoy him in all of them. And then you will know how to steward wisely, you will know how to steward well the life that he has entrusted to you. So let's pray for his help in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace that you have lavished and poured out upon us. For you have ransomed us, you have redeemed us, you have saved us out of death and given us life as your children, part of your family. And Lord, as if that grace on its own wasn't enough, you still graciously give us everything we need and so much more. Father, we give you thanks for your generosity to us. Lord, help us to see everything we have, our very lives themselves, as your grace entrusted to us. Help us to see them with our eye on eternity and seeking your glory in all. And so help us to steward well. Help us to steward thankfully and selfishly, as selflessly as Jesus has done for us. Help us to look at our lives honestly and be glad to enjoy you in them and to use all you've given for your ends and for your glory. Father, may you be praised in how we use the gifts you have given so generously to us. In Jesus, our Saviour's name we pray. Amen.